Welcome to the Roundtable. I'm Jennifer Eller, and with me today is my co-host, Mike Hill, um, our producer, Nick Wilson, and then our guest is Bob Burnsworth, who is the director of the new Life Meal Ministry. Yes. Yes, welcome. So have you lived in Huntington your whole life, Bob? 63 years as of Friday. So is that a yes or a no? (laughs) I've lived in Huntington 63 years. My dad has been in Huntington 98 years and still alive, so... Yes, we've lived here all our life in Huntington County. So I'm kind of connected route-wise to Huntington County. Yeah, for sure. Um, My family's from the Mount Etna area, Lancaster area, Huntington area. My my mom's from the Mount Etna area. My mom's maiden name was Searles. Okay. Joe and Peg's grocery store. Yeah, yeah. So my grandparents were um, Vaughn and Edna May Archbold, who owned the sawmill. Yes. Yes, I know exactly. Owned the what? Sawmill. Sawmill, which is now the... Restaurant out there in canoe riding. Oh, the well. river, river outfitters. Whatever. Your river grandma outfitters. and grandpa owned, owned that, that back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with his like with her brother or something like yep. that. It was a yep. family thing. So and it was really a sawmill. Yes, yes. been a sawmill yeah. for years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. Yeah. I'll have the, to bring a picture in sometime. The, I have a huge one of my grandpa, one of the great big saws and stuff. In my there. mom was raised on the other side of the cemetery. Okay, that's the Searles House residence for okay. all her life. And then okay. Joe and Peg's grocery store. Is yeah. my uncle oh, yeah. Joe and Peg's grocery store. My other uncle owned Langster's Hardware Store. Okay. So, yes. I'm Where was Joe and Peg's wow. grocery store? Joe and Peg's store. grocery store used to be right downtown in Mount Etna, but now it's on, if you go to Marion on 9, we're yeah. 9, 124, that little building, that's where they built a new one at way back then. Yeah. So now yeah. you have truck lots and stuff on that. used to be Joe and Peg's grocery store. Mm-hmm. If you go turn into Mount Etna, the first intersection come to in Mount Etna, on that corner, there's a bunch of rundown buildings right there. That's where it used to be at. Hmm. Yeah. Back when we had grocery stores in every little mm-hmm. town. Yeah. And restaurants in little t- every little town mom pop shops and everything and then yeah there's big no such thing in. anymore no, walmart came in and grocery stores ruined big, everything yeah. that's well, what i said just, at small group I think last big, night walmart town. ruined everything agreed well they opened up the easy buy by products on high producing and get ready to sell it cheap and because they could buy a mass quantity which about the mom pop shops couldn't compete you know yeah period. yeah they killed them all yeah Way to go, Walmart. Way to go, everybody that shops at Walmart. Yes. So, yeah. so I know you're an extremely busy man with all the things that you have going on in your plate, but what do you like to do for fun? Uh, spend time with my grandkids. Maybe. Grandkids. I go on vacation with my grandkids quite a bit. I try to get uh, at least two or three weeks a year in with them, usually one during spring break and one during the fall break and then one just during the summer. Hmm. Um, that, that, that and just friends, going out with friends on vacation as well. I don't do a lot of in town stuff. I don't go out, I don't have time when I'm in town really mm-hmm. with the running the ministry, running a real estate office, coaching basketball at YMCA. That's a blessing. I love doing that. Been doing that for five years. Um, I love working with youth. Um, they're our next generation and they need to have some background behind them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these kids out there don't have any structure <laughs> in their lives right now um, due to divorce situations and all that kind of stuff. So it's just kind of crazy. I've been lucky. My mom and dad's been married all their life. And, mm-hmm. You know, we have the same family people there, and a lot of homes like now. You look at the generation of homes; yeah. they're lucky they've been there twenty years together as a couple, let alone mm-hmm. sixty mm-hmm. plus. Do you have a va- favorite vacation spot? I do a lot of times in Florida. Oh, okay. Not really one place in Florida. I just like going to Florida area because I can go to Orlando area and I can be to the Cocoa Beach in an hour. I can mm. be over the other side of the, in the coast in Clearwater an hour. I can be mm. in my you know down the Keys within an hour and a half. Right. Uh, century located. Weather-wise, I usually go during October, November, and that's okay. usually the best time temperature-wise. Mm. And when it starts getting cold here in snow, so they got paralyzed. Snow is not my game. Mm. <laughs> I like to get away from snow as much mm-hmm. as possible. Right. Um, run around the wheelchair, walk on the crutches. It's just not the feasibility of the world. Right. So, you know, when I got paralyzed, that made a big change in my whole world. Hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, so um, I guess you want to start there. Yeah, what do you want to... Okay, we'll give you the background on that. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to start out with the background (laughs) of the history, Bob. Y'all got five hours and the rest of your life to sit here. The short and blunt of it all. Um, Graduated Hunk North in in 79, got married shortly after that, got divorced after that, got married again, got divorced after that. Worked for a Union Sheet Metal Company in Fort Wayne, which used to be um, Shambles now own them. Um, they were sheet metal company or Krause Sheet Metal Company. I got my journeyman, was three months, two months out of getting my journeyman card and fell 18 foot off a roof in 1988. Logan Sport High School Gymnasium. Uh, fell 18 foot, broke T12, now one vertebrae, bruised my nerve and spinal cord, um, which threw me into the disabled population world. 
you know, then you're going through this whole scenario. Who's going to date a handicap? Who wants to hang out the handicap? Who's going to be here with this disabled person? You know, and Barry goes, you shouldn't call yourself disabled. Shouldn't call yourself handicapped. You know, I am who I am. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to use the terminology I want to use. But, um, you know, when I first got out of high school, you get an adult age, you lose some of your high school friends, then you get married and you lose those uh, more friends. Then you get, I got paralyzed. I lost those friends. And I became an alcoholic drug addict after I got paralyzed in 88. I got paralyzed in 1988, drank and partied until 99, 10 years. I couldn't tell you what I did except for I was in a bar drinking. Mm -hmm. Um but those friends changed, and when I got saved, those friends changed. Um, I, 1989, I went to commit suicide. Um, they had been out running around, thought it's time to. Well, can we back up just, just yep. a second? So, like, did you grow up? Like, was faith a part of your family growing when up? I grew like, up. Like, I'm trying to decide how, yep. like, well, the, mm -hmm. did the fall affect your faith like no. were you i didn't have i didn't i didn't say i wasn't a christian believer we didn't go to church okay my dad um, was a self-employed person mm -hmm. worked all the time my mom was a stay-at-home mom mm -hmm. um, we had good family background i spent like i talked to you earlier i spent a lot of time in the mount Eden with my family on get together we went to my grandma's every saturday my other grandma's on sundays and we had real tight connection my grandma married a preacher at the age of 80 she got married to a preacher mm -hmm. my dad at 80 at 80 wow. <laughs> Yes, she married an 80-year-old, and she was 80. And they got married. They lived another 10 years together. Wow. Uh, but we went to hear him preach a couple times. You know, I didn't go often enough to get anything out of it. We went to one of the churches. My dad, we went to church one time. We went there, and Dad says, what would you get out of it? What do you think about it? I said, I didn't know anybody. Mm -hmm. You know, you walk mm -hmm. in a total strange environment and don't know these people. Right. So you're like, I don't know. I don't mm -hmm. get anything out of it. I don't. Now, I knew there, I felt there was a God. I know that. But I didn't have, I didn't have a walk with him. Right. Or a Christian background behind me, right. I should say. I didn't have the Bible knowledge or anything behind me. Right. Had never read a Bible, never owned a Bible. Hmm. Um, but I got paralyzed in 88, and uh, 98, I'd had enough with the world hmm. that I was about done with it. And a buddy of mine who goes to church, who actually was partying with it every Friday and Saturday night, went to church on Sundays to forget his sins and mm -hmm. start all over again, um, took me to church, and I went there at that point. And slowly, as progressing, you know, I realized that I had to quit cut back on drinking, so I went to drinking um, just not drunkenness, because the Bible says, man, do not drink of drunkenness. Right. So I was safe, you know, mm -hmm. I can drink all I want while I was drunk. Well, when do you know a handicap's drunk? See, waddle He waddles when he walks anyways. <laughs> See, fall on his chair, he falls on his chair anyways. Right. You know, so I, I had realized that I didn't, couldn't live this life because my kids were disappearing away from me, my grandkids were kind of disappearing away from me because they didn't know how to deal with me because I was more involved in partying and running and doing that kind of stuff, because that was a way of, I think, look down into it, it's probably depression that just took over, hmm. and the devil has taken me down the hole. I sit back now and I think about it. I think, I think God and the devil fought over me in 1988. Hmm. Okay. And threw me off the roof. Hmm. And God says he's yours as long as you, don't, you can't harm him anymore. Hmm. So he ran me through the river for 10 years. So leading up to that, because again, you you fly through things really fast. Right. So I just want to make sure I that I talk I'm, pretty quick. And I, you yeah. Know. So you so you were married. I got married and divorced. D and got, got remarried. Okay. And I had a daughter with that one. Okay. And then I adopted a girl with that family, that woman also from that okay. particular marriage. Okay. So I have two daughters. But when you were when you had the accident, you weren't married. No. Okay. So in that process, were divorced. were you alone? Like, what was your support? I was divorced. System? I lived at my mom and dad's house okay. at that point. I got divorced. Um, I had a girlfriend I was living with, got paralyzed. When I got paralyzed, my apartment was upstairs. Okay. Uh, the wheelchair, being new paralyzed, I couldn't walk steps, hadn't got the braces on until I could do crutches or anything yet. So I had to move back home. So I had the support system of my parents, if you call it a support system, okay. which is a place, a roof over my head, and a place to stay. Right. Because my dad, at that point, wasn't sure how to deal with me because he said it was him. He'd probably just done himself in because who's going to be around is disabled. You know, I listened to him say that when he was in my room. I was in the room. He mm -hmm. tells he was down. He come up to my room every night in Methodist Hospital, drop my mom off, and go down and talk to a total stranger for the next two hours because he couldn't deal with it. Come pick mm -hmm. my mom up when it's time to go home. They go home. They show up about six. They leave at eight. And that routine went on for two or three months. What hospital were you in? Methodist Hospital in oh, Indianapolis. Down at Indy, yeah. And uh, they so that went on for about two months. So I got released. Called him, said I was coming home. It's kind of funny how God, I think. The plan was laid out already. My, my, my dad was adding on to our house, between our garage and the house, to put on a master suite bedroom for his mother because he feared 
her husband passed away and he'd have to take care of her. Mm -hmm. Well, she passed away before he did, and I got paralyzed at the same time we're building that on. Mm -hmm. So it turned into my master bathroom handicap accessible facility, right. part of the house. Um, so I took that over and stayed there. So was partying a part of your lifestyle before yeah. the accident? I drank and went out once in a while on the weekends, but it wasn't every night occurrence. Right, yeah. right. And so talk about, again, I think it's a given, but I, you know, maybe people need to hear this. So what was going through your mind? So after the accident and you mm -hmm. get to this place of like, man, I'm, I'm going to be paralyzed. Like Paralyzed for life. It's like what, how you do with it. Where, you know, now you're thrown into a culture, a new culture, hmm. you know. And you take, you know, you take a person from their surroundings, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, and I don't we think race, but we have Mexican and blacks, you know, and they come into the white world or we go into their mix and we feel uncomfortable. Or you run into a group of handicaps and you mm -hmm. don't feel comfortable in that group. Mm -hmm. And you, so you're trying to figure out where you fit and what click. Mm -hmm. We all fit in the same click. Hmm. We all belong together. We just have to figure, we think there's something there, okay, that keeps us from going in that direction. So, you know, I'm going through this disabled population. I'm going through as disabled, have to learn how to go to places, go to the restaurants. Is the bathroom handicap accessible? Right. Do they have a place for me to get my chair? Can I get in and out of the building? Right. Um, you know, I went to Chili's one time with some friends from after playing what, with some friends at Chili's that I was playing ball with. That's how I kind of got involved in sports. But um, one of the guys I run around with, one of the guys in Hunting County was paralyzed who knew me. I'd known him for years. Kept trying to get me to go up and play basketball with him at the YMs at Turnstone, mm -hmm. the sale of adults. Ended up getting involved in that. And uh, we went out to eat one time at Chili's Restaurant there right across from the Glenbrook Mall. And he put us at bar high tables. Here we are, all paraplegics, <laughs> sitting here with a table here. <laughs> because Larry wanted to smoke, and that's the only place you could smoke was in that area. Hmm. I'm like, and we had to park by the donut shop. At that time, there's donut shop down there by the pancake house, and we had to park and wheel half the building to get in the other get in their building because they're out front where their front entrance at was at a slope, and they didn't want handicaps parking there because they're afraid they lose their wheelchair as well. Hmm. If I'm going to let my chair go, that's my problem. I keep a hold of it, so I want to get out of the car. But and so it's interventing yourself into that whole world <coughs> right. of change. Yeah. So when it, so when you get into that mindset of like you're dealing with it, right. so for you. You're saying, because again, you just like, well, I wanted to 10 years worth of doing drugs and I, yeah. so is that just because you felt like there was no way there was, out? Was there, I, it didn't, like, no, I didn't know what else to do with myself. First okay. of all, here's the, here's the scenario you take is all of a sudden you went from a unitionic metal job making probably, I was bringing home about 400 bucks a week mm -hmm. to a social security check of $700 a month. Hmm. Okay. Paying child support. And I could go to the bar and get drunk and the people under didn't care. Hmm. As long as I was buying, they were drinking. Right. And I went down and well, I was buying. I mean, I was, you know, I'd spend money at one bar and this bar and I had a bar tab at the old Heidelberg and then I'd go and pay that with my check when it came in social security check, pay that off and start all over again. Hmm. Um, so it was an easy out for me to right. fall into that group. Right. You know, I talk about the homeless population in our, in our area. They're more comfortable in the bar scene than they are in a fancy, in one of the restaurants in Applebee's than they would be in Applebee's hmm. because they don't feel like they fit in that crowd. Right. So I go in this crowd here that met, took me in. Right. And that's where I end up at. Right. Okay. We see the kids are on the streets right now. They're running. They're going to the population that fits, lets them fit in hmm. are because they don't want to obey these rules and these rules. So let's go where these rules aren't. So right. in the bar scene and the, and the party scene, nobody cares as long as you're partying and supplying and doing what you need to do. You're just one of those people. So was there anybody in your life that like during that time that was like, hey, this probably isn't a great idea? No. No? No. No, no one. Nobody trying to push me the other direction. Really? Because I'm bullheaded anyways, but you know, I didn't, I don't ever recall that because they just, they just let me do what I want to do because it's easier mm. than try to persuade me not to, or bring it up in my face saying, Hey, you know, you're going to be paralyzed the rest of your life. You're, you know, you're going to do this and this. Um, I think that's where God coming to me as a point saying, you got to stop this. Hmm. You know, it just came, it's just like I said, when I was then got ready to commit suicide, the light bulb went off. My daughter's face appeared in front of me. It's like, how are you going to leave her? And how is she going to feel that you're worried about all this? But now you're going to take off and just leave her. Yeah, so through that journey, I mean, again, during that time, was there ever like, this isn't a good idea? Like, I should probably do no, something No, because I had all, everybody I was running with the partiers. Hmm. So they didn't care. We were life the party. I mean, they, we'd go down the bar. They Most of the people I ran with would get off work off second shift. I had one guy at work GM, get off second shift. He'd meet me at the bar at 2 o'clock. We'd party until they closed the bar up and go to his place to party. 
And during the day, I had somebody meet me in the afternoon. After I got out of school at 2 in the afternoon, I'd be at the bar. We'd party until 3 o'clock in the morning every day, 365 days a year. And you never really got to the place where you're like... Didn't grow up. Man, I, never I, grew up. I, man I just don't I got no like responsibility. Huh? Yeah, I didn't have no responsibilities. I no, I know, but sometimes you hear in people's stories, like, I did it for a while, and then I just kept thinking, this is not the right place to go, no. but I just keep doing it no. anyway. No. Like, you had no... I, no, no, I didn't ever get to that point. Yeah. I just, I was living, because I've looked at, the, what's our ultimate goal in life? And when you're not, if you're not a Christian, and I'm not saying that's about all Christians, non-Christians, mm -hmm. but we work for success. Okay. And what do we call success? When we do what we want to do, right? When I can do what I want to do, and money's not the issue. Guess okay. what? They give me $1,700 a month between my Social Security and my work and comp to do whatever I wanted to. So, and a lot of guys, when I'm, when I'm growing up, the group I ran, the families, the people I knew, going off after work and having a couple of beers and going down to the bar and hanging out for a while was the life. Mm -hmm. You know, going out for appetizers, going to the, you know, have a few drinks and go, you know, that was the lifestyle people thought that they should have because that was, we've reached it, you know. And I don't think we neuralize that's not reaching it. Because you would say most people's success journey right. would be to do whatever I want yeah. to do. Yeah, finally got the money, I can do what I want. And, and if that's sitting around, have a few cocktails in the afternoon, that's my business. Going to go on a golf course and play some golf and drink a few beers, that's my business. Yeah. You know, um, we just, and I don't know where society runs that into that, but I think we look at the people who make, who are well wealthy that aren't Christians, that don't have anything wrong with drinking, that's their social hour. Hmm. They go socialize somewhere for the next few hours after they get off work and go home and start a night all over. Right. Yeah. So, you know, we run across the board that direction. But, you know, but. So for you, you felt like I'm successful because yeah. I get to do whatever I, I want. Do whatever I want. You had no. At 28 years old, I had money coming in and didn't have to go to work to get it. No, I. So I'm just <laughs> trying to build this thing. I mean, I, I think know. it's completely interesting right. that. So it just must be everybody around you was like, I mean, yeah, Bob's completely successful. He, yeah, Bob's got it made. Nobody would have thought like that's a bad I, idea. One of the girls I dated when I got paralyzed broke up because I got paralyzed. She couldn't deal with this paralyzation because she couldn't run and jump. We couldn't go do certain things, right? right. You know, because it's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. I ran to her about four years later, and I had a blazer and I was at a concert. She goes, "I really screwed up." I go, mm -hmm. "She goes, you got everything you want, and here I am still struggling trying it." Hmm. Because all she seen was me having a good life because I had the vehicle, I had a Camaro, I had a Blazer, hmm. I had apartment, I had everything that I could want as right. far as I knew. Right. You know, and the money was coming in the door from somewhere else. Yeah, it's just hard to fathom because I keep thinking about right. this in life. It's hard to fathom that nobody around you or people, because in general, let's use it as a general well, let's, statement. Let's, let's use society. I'm going to use my homeless population that I work with on a regular basis. Nobody wants to get to know them. They just don't want to deal with that problem. It's not my problem. I'm not going to deal with it. It's Bob's problem. I don't want to deal with it because I don't want to get my hands dirty because if I screw up, it's going to be my fault. Hmm. How many people jump out and help people out of the blue for any reason at all? A lot of times they don't. They don't want to build that situation. You know, you got a family falling apart. We don't want to dirty our hands with trying to go in there. And we, I watch the ministry. I watch a lot of facilities will throw us money just so they have to deal with the situation. You know, like right now, we're looking at doing a winter shelter. We've been asked to do a winter shelter, which we had four years ago. But nobody wants to undertake it because they don't want to dirty the hands of that population. Yeah, no, I'm thinking of like... So, I mean, we live in the Bible Belt of America. Right, right. I mean, this is Huntington, Indiana. So I'm sitting here thinking there was nobody in the community to be like, hey, Bob, that's probably like a bad idea. Or, hey, you should come to church. Not or, that hey, I recall, but I'm, I was drunk too for no, 10 years. I, again, I'm, but you know what I'm saying. I mean, like, did your, I was like, your family. I'm like, did your well, mom and dad My mom know, and dad weren't sure. They weren't sure how to deal with it. Sisters they were afraid. Or? They were afraid yeah. I'd do something wrong, and they'd say the wrong thing, and I'd go out and do something stupid. Hmm. You know, I think there's that double-edged sword. Do I step in between that relationship and try to tell him what to do with his life? Sure. And he says, or just let him go. Yeah, or just let him go. Let him figure it out. Wow. How many people we have out there in our society walk around just trying to figure it out? It's scary. Yeah. As you start looking. Well, numbers, this probably. is because this is what I've said all the time. Like, I think the disconnect. We had this discussion last right. night at men's group. So the disconnect is so... We can learn all we want about Scripture, but if you don't apply it out into the world, it doesn't make any difference. And there were some people that were like, 
I just thought the whole idea was is that I should come and get fed and that in my feeding, I can learn more and know more. And I'm like, I, I don't Doesn't feel say like you're, you're known by your fruits. Yeah. But that, if but, you don't go out and produce fruits, if you just sit there and get all the knowledge, I could have all the knowledge in the Bible, but if I don't walk it and work it and do it, it does no good to me. No. And I think, but for them, it was like for them innocently so like, because right, they really right, just didn't right. know. It's I mean, innocent. these are people yeah. that like, you just give your life to Christ and people are like, well, the thing you need to do is you need to know more about the Bible and you need to read and you need to study and you need to do. And I'm like, yes, you need to do those things. But back to what you're saying. So if outside of the walls and all the way around and maybe even in the walls are hurting people yes. and Christians don't want to get to know them. That's the case that I'm trying to yeah. build. Like well, the case exactly. I'm trying to build is when we came to, to Huntington, there were 110 churches mm -hmm. in Huntington. Right. There are 110 churches when you're in a... Nobody, 18,000 population. Nobody yeah. in these 110 churches would ever be like, I'm going to get to know Bob and spend time with him yeah. with the opportunity, yeah. hopefully, to share Jesus Christ right. with him. That's what yeah. I'm trying to no, get at. No. That's what's and amazing I think that's what to we're me. Missing. And that's what you're saying. I think is that's happening. what we're missing across the board. And that's right. where I think our food ministry, our ministries have worked in because we're taking a part of these people's lives. It's kind of funny because I've been running the food ministry downtown for 10 years, overseeing it. It's been running for 20, mm -hmm. but I've been overseeing it for 10 years. And I get phone calls from people that see Joey on the street or Sam on the street or Susie on the street and want to know about them. Mm -hmm. I said, well, go talk to them. Oh, wait. Mm -hmm. What? Step outside these four walls? Mm. Uh, my comfort zone? Mm -hmm. My little bubble? Right. Um, and I know every one of them. I know exactly where they've been. I know what they're doing drug-wise. I know where they're staying. I know what they're, what, you know, trying to help them find out what their goals are to get them to the next level. Right. At our, at my job as a Christian is to, like you said, Hey, what's up? Yeah. Let's talk about this. How's life treating you? What's going on? Yeah. Well, yeah, I got this. And people are afraid to ask that because they don't want to hear the story. Right. So you're saying that's where you were. It's like nobody, yeah. like, hey, listen, no. let Bob go. Yeah, I mean, just, well, you know, I explained the other day, I talked to somebody the other day about when I first got paralyzed. I was probably one of, I, I was quite a few people with disabilities in town, but when I come home from hunting, from the hospital, I didn't stay home. I got my wheelchair out and I went to the north end and back. I wheeled through town and, and oh my gosh, it's like you're out on the streets, you're wheelchair around. I had a friend of mine who was in a chair, went to the mall in Fort Wayne. Some lady walked up, smacked him in the face, and said, What do you think you're doing out here? You don't need to be out here. You're disabled. You shouldn't be out in the public. You know, back in several years, back day, that if you had a disabled child that was born disabled, you didn't go out in because people looked at you've sinned somewhere. Yeah, right. Okay? So we don't take our child. We don't take them anywhere. Maybe the church, that's about it. We don't right. take them outside the house. Right. You know, we're open that, we're breaking that wall down little by little. Right. You know, the community population. I mean, I go down to the coffee house to hear for that the Pathfinders puts on. I try to make it out at least once a month. Those kids are just ecstatic and adults are ecstatic about me coming in. Right. Because they get to see a new face. Somebody mm -hmm. comes in and says hi to them. Somebody talks to them. Somebody treats sure. them mm -hmm. like a person. Mm -hmm. And that's where our society's lost itself. You know, my mom and dad have lived in our house since 79. We knew every neighbor in the neighborhood in the first five years we'd lived there. Mm -hmm. Probably couldn't tell you right now who lives next door down the road or anything because we don't walk outside our four walls to find out because they right. change too much. Right. And Joey's living his life over there. I'm going to stay away from his house. I don't anything to do with it. He might get me for trespassing. I'm like, no. Mm -hmm. You know, and we're worried about crossing that line because mm -hmm. guys laying in the street having a heart attack, I'm not going to help him because, oh, my God, if he dies, they're going to sue me. <laughs> right. You know? Right. I, I had a homeless guy I was working with that um, tried to get him off the streets and get him out of alcohol. I didn't get, ever get him off alcohol, but he would walk by the food ministry down we had on Franklin Street and walk by every day and just look at me and look in and then finally come in one day and eat. He'd come in, sit down, and hands over his coffee. And, um, I said, how you doing? Okay. So I'd get out of him for mm -hmm. almost three months. Mm -hmm. And then he walked in one day, hey, I'm so-and-so. And give me his name and stuff. He says, I'm glad you're here. And, you know, he was drunk, but, you know, I didn't say anything. I don't say anything about it because they're in, you don't want to bag them about what they're doing. You want to show them different directions. And I said, I talked to him, found out he was a vet. And I said, hey, I said, why don't you go to the vet and see about getting some help to get a place and, all, you know, get off the streets. Oh, they just want me to go back to work. I said, you're 80, 70 years old. They're not going to make you go back to work. Right. I got him hooked up to the VA. They got him a check. We put him into an apartment complex that took everything out on top of that. He still drank um, three, four years ago now it's been probably, mm -hmm. around July, what's July, 4th. Um, he was down, he, 
I took him down for breakfast, take him, drop him off at breakfast, and go to the Market Street Bar and Grill because he felt comfortable in the bar area, mm-hmm. have breakfast. And I picked, I was getting a haircut, and I said, I've got a haircut. When I get down, I'll pick you up. Well, he sat in the corner. And I went to get him, and, you know, put him in my truck. He almost fell getting in my truck. Put him in my truck and drove him home. He felt, I thought he fell asleep. I thought, you know, he's, he's hacking and so mm-hmm. forth, which is not uncommon with him. And he died right there in my truck. Mm-hmm. You know? And um, it was kind of crazy to see that happen, but the same token... I made him get off the streets finally. He got him into a place. He didn't ever quit drinking. Right. You know, because he hadn't, didn't have a reason to, because mm-hmm. his family had all abandoned him. Right. You know, um, I think that's where we run into is these, the society just doesn't want to dirty their hands. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. In general, something in general. we need to work on. So, when you're oh, yeah. going through that period, you talk about suicide. Was that in the middle? Was that at the end? That was like, at the end. That Very was in. at the end. Very end. What the got last, you to that place? I just, I had had enough. I just realized okay. I was. You know, you didn't have what you're talking about. Somebody saying, hey, here's what you need to look yeah. at doing. Let's change your life. Let's do this. Right. You know, because I had a high school degree. I had a college degree in Bachelor of Recreation Therapy. I worked a turnstone doing disabled coach and wheelchair basketball for competitive for 20 years. Volunteer base. Didn't mm-hmm. work pay-wise. Volunteer base. I was running back and forth that. I was working part-time jobs off and on here and there. You know, because society sets you up. When you get put on Social Security disability, if you make over a certain amount of money, you lose all that. Well, if you're starting a job out, you're not guaranteed insurance for 90 days. Hmm. And then you make over that amount of money. You've done lost your Social Security disability. And then you go back and have to go back and fight for it. Right. Instead of cutting us off little by little until we get up to that paycheck we're making. Right. And, of course, you know, Social Security checks are all tax-free. When I'm working, I'm paying taxes. Right. But they're looking at the gross, not the net. Right. right. You know? And, but we, so we don't want to benefit that we have to help figure out how to help that pass that situation right so it's better off just leave him alone let him do his thing mm. you know and that's what a lot of people look at why do i want to get involved in it right um which brings us to our ministries you know i started you know um my pastor come to fort huntington and he wasn't planning on living working in huntington being a pastor in huntington, but he's been here now well how'd you get saved years. first how did that work like how well, did jesus I, come into I'm your life tell you, i'm gonna tell you this pastor and what really got me was he was one of these that would do a scripture story type thing and okay. take somebody and put them in a spot and start talking about them. Um, I went to church, started going to church, and you know, Why? I started real, just because my buddy saw me, asked me. I just thought I called him. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I know. Why did you go to church? Well, no, I'm just I saying just, he wasn't going at all. I wasn't going I at all. And then I'll say, yeah, you're right, exactly. I wasn't going to church at all. I had a buddy that went to church, kept inviting me to church every so right. often. You get but to I, the place where you I'm want thinking, to commit I'm thinking, suicide. Why do you want me to go to church? You go to church and you still go out and parties on Friday and Saturday okay. nights, and you're going to church on. I didn't see that walk. I'm going. Right. Okay, so I go on Sunday, forgive my sins, and go back out and party Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I don't see any reason to go to church, sit in right. the pew for two hours, right, and listen to somebody talk about God, and then turn around, and go get drunk, right. I did, I, you know, wasn't. I, yeah. Wasn't so what changed makeup. your mind and made you go? What happened was I was going with him on a regular basis, and this pastor had opened their doors up. Finally, he got his own church started. No, and, wait. So what made you go to church though? Because these are I always just, the things that interest I just had me. a buddy who picked me up and went every Sunday. Okay, so he, so I somebody knew his family finally, members when I went so, to church. When I went to church with him, I would say 25% of the congregation I personally knew. Okay. That went to church. I didn't know it was Christians. Right. But that's what scares you. But somebody Mm -hmm. finally came into your life that says, He invited me to church every Sunday. And I did for a while there, and I didn't go. Right, but 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 again, before we're talking about nobody cares. I guess I just want to have people to see this. I wouldn't say he didn't care. No, that's cares, not, but you just I, seen an I put those words right, in your right. mouth. Right, right. You, <laughs> you, yes. you didn't say that. <laughs> but I'm saying people you. didn't want to get their hands dirty. They didn't want to do. Right. Finally, somebody says, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna pick you up, and I'm going to take you. Well, I called him and asked him what time church started. After I went, after I went to commit suicide, he'd been talking about going to church with me ever so often. Okay. I just never did. So once you got to that lowest point in your life, yes. what made you think, to, like, I need to go to church? <laughs> I guess God, my my daughter's face appeared in front, which was just freaked me out. Probably, yeah. yeah. And it had to be God, somebody doing that, because there's no way my daughter's mm. perfectly good face would so right in front of my mirror right. before I put my car in the reservoir, Sonic in the reservoir. Right. Mm. And as soon as I got that, I said, okay. He, you know, it's like, how do I explain to her I don't love her and I leave it? Right. Because here's my theory. I guess this is what I was trying to right. get to. So my theory is that God is always drawing. Yes. Right, because he's the one who says, like, I draw mankind. Like, right. I'm the one who's going to wake them up, like, whatever those Sooner things. Sooner or later, I'll have you. Yeah, that, that 
and the, then the question always is when people finally, because I think he probably was trying to draw you all the way through. Right. But this finally worked. Yeah. And then what do I do with that? Right. So then that's the, the people that you know that are in your life or nowhere to go. Then there is a place to be able to do that. So you're right. like, I can go to a church. I know a guy because a guy's been inviting me. Right. Right. A guy's been talking about me. Right. Yeah. So, so I go to this church and I, I knew 25% of the people there. Yeah. That I didn't know were Christians. Right. I run into Christians quite a bit that I never knew were Christians right. in my childhood growing up hmm. because the way they act outside those four walls. Right. They're still right. cussing, they're drinking, they're doing whatever, they're going to church on Sunday. Right. And they're calling themselves Christians. Right. And, you know, each one of us have our own walk. I get that. I understand it. Um, and it's like, so, you know, that light bulb went off and I started going to church with him. And then my pastor was doing on sin. And he put a mask, a black mask on me and had me face the crowd. On me, you? Yeah sitting there looking at the crowd, and he's talking about sin. And everything he talked about, I had been doing. The drugs, alcohol, and sexual relationships without a marriage, and all this, and divorced. And I'm like, why is he discussing my personal life? Right. He didn't know me. He didn't know my personal life. Hmm. But I've been walking all those things. Hmm. And that's when I said, I got to change this. Hmm. You know, I got to do something here. Um, like I said, I was drinking on a regular basis, 2 o'clock in the afternoon until 3 o'clock in the morning, 365 days a year. Hmm. And I just went down at the altar about two months after that and went down and just gave my life to Christ and take hmm. it away. Wow, that's and awesome. I haven't touched a drop in 25 years. Seriously? I have not touched a drop of alcohol in 25 years. Wow. No temptation to drunk in 25 years. Hmm. To tell you the truth, I have $3,000 worth of Jack Daniels sitting in my house with full bottles. At your house right touched. now? At my house. It's never been touched. Wow. How do you get rid of that collection, first of all? Because it's got alcohol in it. No, not that I don't want it. I don't want it, but it's got it's full of alcohol. So how do you sell it? Because legally, you can't sell it without having a liquor license. Okay. So it's all sitting there hmm. until somebody decides that they want it for a man cave, and I just sell them the whole nine yards, but they right. don't know I got it. But right. somebody says, why do you... Because when I, the house I lived in, I had it set up on a ledge around the pool table, mm-hmm. and uh, I said, that's hell. I can look up there and know that's hell. I don't hmm. want anything to do with it ever again. Hmm. And I'm afraid that if somebody says, well, have you ever had a drink? I said, no, I haven't had a drink in 25 years. Because yeah. I'm afraid if I start, I don't want to stop. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. And I don't have any desire to. Yeah. And I played cards with some guy one time. And I sat there and he was drinking Jack Daniels. Sat beside me. I said, either you got to leave or move or I got to leave. Because mm-hmm. that sweet aroma is just hitting me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And I'm not going to deal with it. Right. Right. So you get mm-hmm. saved. Right. So take us from that point on. Okay. So, so I get saved. Um, and I'm coaching wheelchair basketball at a competitive level. Turnstone Disabled Center for Adults and Kids. Um, so you were like a really good basketball, basketball player? I coached basketball at a competitive level. We, my team was ranked number two in the nation in 2007. Wow. I took four kids from our team, made it to Australia in 2007 for the U.S. Gold Cup team. Four of 12 kids that went wow. from our team. So I coached at a very competitive level. Um, Turnstone Disabled Center Adults up there in Fort Wayne has built around that whole program from the hmm. sports from that particular event for me doing my internship there. Um, didn't have any sports to start there. So I was doing that. I got saved. I was doing that. I was coaching basketball up there. I was running back and forth, working in the real estate business a little bit. Um, and my pastor decided we had the food ministry up already. And uh, the person who was in charge of the food ministry decided that he was going to take over our finances and need somebody to take over the food ministry. Okay. So I stepped into that role 10 years ago. It's kind of funny how God makes changes about every seven years of my life, it seems like. Because <laughs> my at that particular time, Turnstone didn't have a team to travel because they didn't have enough kids that age to travel. So that stopped. So I started taking over the food ministry. Our office downtown had a fire next to us, which caused our office to close down for temporary. My boss, who was my boss at that time, broker, had a stroke. And Cole Banker threw me in the management position. So now I manage Cole Banker's office. I run a food ministry, oversee the food ministry. I coach basketball at the YMCA now. So I'm now integrated back into Huntington. Right. Everything I'm doing is Huntington related. Right. Um, so our food ministry. So that, how did they, why did the church start the food ministry? Like how did the food ministry ever our, get started and what were they trying to get done? Our church, our pastor, Jimmy Staten, um, had a vision from God that he was to have a women's shelter, a men's shelter. Did he plant that church? He planted that church. Right. When was that? It's been almost 25 years ago. Okay. Um, he planted that church. He left Gospel Community as a youth pastor and planted that church. 
gospel community, gospel community was, which is over on. Oh, so it was in so, Huntington. Yeah, it's okay. in Huntington. The smallest okay. little church here in Huntington. Um, he left that church to start his own church. Um, went for that direction. He had a vision to have a youth ministry, have men's shelter, women's shelter, a food ministry, and an orphanage. And is that because there was in his past, like, or is that just something like nothing I ever thought? Just nothing was ever he there. Just he get had this no vision desire to be in Huntington County and had no vision to ever do that. Because he's he, not from Huntington. He's not from Huntington. He's from Wayndale. Okay. His dad and mom owned a his dad and mom owned a lawn care business in Wayndale. He went to church on the sudden church bus. Okay. Parents didn't go. Dad was a drinker and cusser and swearer. And one, they actually all got saved on the same day. He ended up talking to go to church. They went to church. Hmm. Dad, and mom, and the whole family got saved that day. Right. And from that point, his dad got involved in traveling, singing music for gospel communities and churches and so forth. His sister, his sister, his sister-in-law, mom, dad, a couple other people traveled all over doing music. Mm-hmm. Jimmy started run the church, had the vision to have a men's shelter. And that's what the vision was from God that he had. A uh, men's shelter, a women's shelter, shelter an orphanage, and a food ministry. Okay. So we started out with, we bought a house, we bought, we started out the food ministry with no money to figure that was the, probably the easiest thing to do because we, we could just do it in the basement of our church. It had a commercial kitchen in it, so we was going to open it up down there, and so we started. So the concept was to feed, the concept was relationships, just the to concept... feed the people and get to know them. Okay. And build a relationship with them and try to get them in, involved. Feeding, feeding people real food versus a God feeding right. food, a word. And so by getting them in the building and start getting to know them and work a system. So we opened it up in our church, in our basement, in our church, and for the first four or five months, we had hardly anybody come in. One, right. three, maybe four or five people max at tops. And where are these people coming from? All over downtown Huntington area. Hmm. They're all within walking distance of Huntington, most of them. Okay. Um, drive in, some of them drive in, but they walk in. Um, so we took the ministry from there and moved into where the UB building's at right now. There used to be a bookstore slash um, store there at one time, Christian bookstore, and one time it was a... Uh, cafe, little cafe. We took that spot over and put our food ministry in there. We went from three to four people up to 20, about 15, 10 to 15 right away. Hmm. Because now we're out, of the, we're out of the church. We're not in the basement. We're on the main floor. So we Because you there. think the church had like... The pe- church had a lot to do with People it. wouldn't come to didn't, eat at didn't a church. They wouldn't get saved. Well, I don't walk into church. I might, it might fall in, or they may talk to me about I Christ. Might fall in. The church might fall in. You know, you know how many times she said, "Well, I can't go to church; it'll fall in, it'll catch on fire." How many people have you ever heard say that? I have heard a few people all the time. Say that. Oh, if I go there to sin, I've done that. Church will fall in. That's not going to fall in. I tell you right now. Yeah, it's right. never going to fall in. Yeah, unless God wants it to fall in. That's because the church isn't doing what it's supposed to be doing. Right. You know, that's where it comes down to play. But you know, so we realized that they didn't want to come in because I think they were worried about getting thumped by the Bible. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, so let's don't go there. It's a church. So when we right. put it outside the church, even though it's called New Life Ministries Food Ministry, mm-hmm. that didn't bother them because it was in the public building. It wasn't no Bibles there. There was no pews, and it was an open building. Right. So in that perspective, we were there for oh, I'd say three, four, maybe five years, and the building was lost to tax evasion. They didn't pay their taxes, so the city county took it over, and we had to move out. The building we're in now used to be Barnhart Book um, Brown and Rouse Shoe Store back in the day. It's, if you're not familiar, Brown that's what who? it was. Brown and Rouse Shoe Store. Do you know this shoe store, Jennifer? Yes. yes. <laughs> I do. Jennifer was raised in Huntington oh, County. Gosh. Brown and Rouse Shoe Store was the elite shoe store to go get your Sunday school shoes for oh, Sunday church. Gosh. Well, mm-hmm. we took on the Brown and Rouse building, which became Bartram's tax office, mm-hmm. and they had on the market to sell it. Bartram's tax office was going to sell the building. The she couldn't get it sold. The owner got Alzheimer's. The daughter stepped in, took over the building, said, "Put it in the auction, sell it, absolute dollar, whatever we get, it's done." It was on the market for eighty-five thousand. We ended up buying it for thirty-five, thirty-three thousand dollars. Nobody came to the auction buy it, so we owned both those buildings for thirty-three thousand dollars. The moral, the whole story is: we went to the bank, got a loan, proof for thirty thousand. Another one of the guys who has a business in Wayne Dale at that time going to church said, I gotta give you another three thousand. So we went to thirty-three thousand dollars, the hammers dropped, we bought it in thirty days, forty thousand dollars cash come from over the United States and paid for the building. We didn't really? go get the loan. That has been all the story. over the like all over the United States, like how we because our ministry, with our ministry where it's been, we've been doing we have ministry teams coming in from Illinois, mm. Kentucky, Alabama, Florida. They come in to do our ministries. 
Um, we put out looking for ministry workers, and these people are looking for outreach ministries in hunting in the area and staying in the United States. They end up coming to us. We do meaning it's like a mission trip. Mission mm-hmm. trips. We do four or five mission trips a year coming to our facility. Every one of our buildings have been rehabbed or taken over and done by mission trips. Mission teams coming in. Did you know Huntington, Indiana was a destination? I had no idea. Yes, we 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 sponsor about on average four ministry teams a year, mission teams a year to come up here and work ministry work. They want to work the food ministry and they help rehab our churches and buildings. Our women's shelter, the one of the women's shelter we bought for fifty dollars through a commissioner sale, a house for fifty dollars. Okay, they came in and rehabbed it completely. So we have very little into it because one church out of Illinois showed up and they wanted to put, they brought money and everything else and they put a bunch of money into it and rehabbed it and built it up. Um, we bought the first church, the first one we bought, we bought for 25, which mm-hmm. was pretty much rehabbed. We fixed it up, cleaned it up a little bit. And we bought the second one for $50,000 for $50. And we fit, rehabbed it. We just bought the men's shelter about two years ago that we have behind our church. We bought it for 25000 And then we just bought the orphanage house for 65000 that was going to go in the market for ninety eight, The guy who was working on it said he felt a call to come over and talk to us, offered it to us for 65000 We didn't have the money in thirty day, in a week or he'd put it on the market. Same thing happened again. Every building we bought has been paid for from donations because we're working with God what he wants done. Mm-hmm. And I know that because I run the food ministry for 10 years. We have six commercial upright freezers, which are three-foot, by six foot tall, mm-hmm. there's six of those in there, stock full of meat. There's three upright regular freezers in my other room, stock full of meat. I've been running the food ministry for 10 years, and I have never bought a meat product once. Mm. There's a meat product served with every meal every night, 365 days a year. The ministry serves roughly 20,000 meals a year. We'll be close to 36,000 meals this year due to we now are carrying lunch hours from 12 to 1. We're doing supper hours five to six, six to seven during the week, and on the weekends, five to six. We, as of the first year, have now included carryouts. So if you come and eat lunch, and you're there, and you've got three kids at home, or four kids, or two kids, you can take whatever amount of meals you want home with you during dinner and supper. On the average, we're doing about 30, 40 meals during the day for lunch hours between carryouts and dining in, and roughly 60 meals at night. I look for the meals in the evenings go up to about 100 for carry out and dining in. And so all of all of it from uh, the perspective of people that serve at it, food that comes in, all of the stuff that goes with it, it's just all volunteer. All volunteers. There's not a paid staff member at all. And no money to make it run. Except for what comes in through the doors from donations. But the donations are used to buy the food. Buy do the, the food. I spend $300 a month, and that $300 a month usually buys Kool-Aid, coffee, um, paper towels, napkins, that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and vegetables. Meat products, like I said, I haven't bought a meat product in 10 years mm. because the donations from different caterers, different organizations that buy, you know, some businesses that buy hams for their company. They buy 100 hams. They give away 65 of them, and they donate the rest of them to us. And the people who get those for Christmas gifts from the factories, turkeys and hams, don't want them. They bring them to us. Caterers bring us food. Um, donations from all over Huntington County. And money from all over the United States. Yeah, so let's talk about the the food ministry. Mm-hmm. So one of the things we talked about before, so that the idea was feed people so you could feed people, right? Right. So that's right. that's right. the vision of right. the uh, the new life, right. right? Is if you feed people, you can feed people. Well, yeah, because what happens when the people come in the door? First of all, getting them in the door is the first problem, right? We get them to come. It in is the door. a problem. It, just getting them to come in the door because a lot of people don't want to walk in the door because oh my gosh, if I walk in here, they're gonna know why I'm financially in trouble, or I'm homeless, and I don't want to show that burden to anybody. Our human nature doesn't want anybody to know we're in that, that point of our life. Okay. So we try to stay away from it. Okay. But what we need them to realize is that we're not here for them to get on skid row. We want them here before they get on skid row. Mm-hmm. Before they're down and out, we want them to come see us. Right. Because here's where my philosophy is. Senior citizens are on fixed income. Mm-hmm. They've got their utility bills, which are not going down. Their rent's not going down. Mm-hmm. They got those bills to worry about. If they come into our ministry and eat two meals, that's ten dollars a day mm-hmm. on the minimum. Mm-hmm. That's three hundred. That's at three hundred sixty-five days a year. That's three thousand five. You know, we save yeah. them that they're going to put towards their bills. Okay, take a family of five 
or family of four. The money they're saving by just eating your meals down. I have a senior citizen come in one day, and it was the end of the month. He says, I'll see you in two weeks. I go, what do you mean? Well, I'll be, I'm good for two weeks. I said, what do you mean you're good for two weeks? My Social Security check's here, so it'll get me through my next two weeks. I said, stop. Quit buying groceries. Quit buying food. Come down here on lunch hour. Come here for supper hour. Put the rest of that money towards your bills. Mm-hmm. So now he comes down every day and eats dinner and supper. But get them past the four wall, get them to walk into the wall. It's just like trying to get them to come to church. It's the same thing. They don't want to come to church because the walls are going to fall down or they're going to, you mm-hmm. know, somebody's going to make fun of me or they're going to beat me up or whatever. And if you walk into the ministry and you come in there and they're thinking, oh my gosh, they're going to want to know 40 minute questions. Why are you here? Don't you have any money? What's going on? And then they start feeling down about themselves again. Their pride keeps mm-hmm. them from coming to the door. Okay? We got to break that pride barrier to say, you know what? I need it. And I don't care. I can't let my family go hungry. Right. I need to come here. There's no reason anybody in Huntington County should not be, should be going hungry. No reason at all. Mm-hmm. Because somebody should be able to pick up your food and bring it to you. You know, if you've got a senior sitting at home who's locked at the house and can't go out, what keeps their family members from just stop swinging by and grabbing two to-go meals, dropping off mom and dad? Yeah, what I does? Have, I mean, no, that, I have no idea. I, I, the thing that it I'm trying to figure me. out is, so what are the barriers? Because we had blessings in a backpack right. on. So, and I would hear people say that there are kids that go home that are hungry. Yes. What's keeping the parent from taking them to a meal ministry that will feed them seven days Pride. a week? Pride. Really? Or they're not home. Oh. Because mom and dad may work in second shift. Mom and dad may be alcoholic and drug addicts. Mom and dad are split. Who's got the kids? The kids might be walking the streets because they don't want to let mom's house. They don't want to live dad's house. Do we have kid, if a kid's walking the streets, can they come in and yeah, eat? Anybody. They when I first started, I was concerned about having kids there without parents. Yeah. But we changed that. I said anybody comes in the door gets to eat. So okay. I've got kids to stop in. I've got kids that run down around downtown and come in. They'll stop in to eat, and I see them out and about. I'll pull them in the party shop, buy them a cap, some candy or something, and right. build that relationship with them. Right. You know, coaching basketball with the wife builds me the relationship with those kids. Getting to know those kids, getting to know those people. I don't care why they're on those streets. Sure. How do I help them get off those streets or show them that somebody loves them? Yeah, well, I guess that's the... So that's what I was trying to get to. So churches, I would assume, and or Christian people would want to figure out how to help. So one of the ways is, you know, Life Church gives money and then Life Church... Don't we send people... Like, how does that work? Yeah, so there's a team that goes every third Thursday Okay. down there, and then we have a group of ladies who are there every other Wednesday, maybe, for lunch. I don't know. We have a couple yeah. times yeah. that we're so down the, there. So is that how other... So that's something that churches do? That's how churches get mm-hmm. involved financially. They can financially support. They can buy materialistic things for the place. They can buy the paper products and so forth. I have some call me up for that. And they can also get involved as far as working the ministry, coming down there and filling in the hours. Right. Um, I'm blessed to say that I have no problem filling my volunteer schedule. Right. I have more volunteers waiting to get on board than I have volunteers wanting to leave. Mm-hmm. Right. So as a volunteer, is the idea not only to serve the meal, but to build a relationship? My, what I like to see is enough volunteers down there that we got enough to take care of doing all the what needs to be done. Okay. And some other volunteers walk around just talking to Joe and Sam and Susie and all of them saying right. how they're doing, what's going on. So does that work? Yes. It does. So yes. there's so We've got people who have been town to come to the food ministry who are on the streets, once I start talking to them, getting to know them, we get them into our men's shelter or women's shelter or get them heading the right direction. Right. But I'm saying for people that are coming volunteer, not does the ministry work, because I know the ministry works. I'm saying from when volunteers come down there, because this this is what we said before, and I want to see if this helps break the barrier. What we said before is people don't want to get their hands dirty. Right. Right. So in that, are there people that are coming down that are meeting with these people, sitting with these people, getting their hands dirty and helping them? Yes. You start seeing more of it right now because they start realizing, I could be in that spot, and this guy needs a helping hand. He needs somebody cares. He needs somebody knows that we got their back. Mm-hmm. You know, when somebody comes in new off the streets, comes in our ministry for the first time to eat, I make sure I go over and talk to them. Say, mm-hmm. hey, just want to let you know, thank you for coming in. We have a free meal every night. And we have stuff I'll let them know about the schedule. I said, and if you need anything else, talk to me. But if you don't ask, if you don't ask for Christ in your life, you'll never get him. Mm-hmm. If you don't ask for something, you may not ever receive it. Right. Okay? Because I know there's the laundry ministry going on right now that the well does. They take care of the, you can go up to, to first Tuesday and third Tuesday every month from five to seven, get your laundry done for free. Mm-hmm. We do personal hygiene bags at our place once a month. You can pick up a personal hygiene bag. 
We get a free meal down here every night. There's other, we got laundry ministries out there. We've got pet food ministries out there. But what it takes is all of us working together, and we have to know about those ministries, first of all, mm-hmm. and not break, we have to break the barrier, well, how's it promoting my church? How's mm-hmm. it benefiting me? It's mm-hmm. not to benefit me. Mm-hmm. When I started doing the ministry, when we first started doing it, I was amazed and astonished at how many people were like, well, how's it going to benefit me? Well, why should our church help your church? What's it doing for us? How's it putting our name out there? We don't promote our name. We don't promote New Life Fellowship Church in our facility. We pray before the meals, and we talk to people. And we lead them to what they may want or need, and hopefully they say, where do you go to church at? Or maybe they'll ask you where they go to church at, or you offer to them, say, yeah. you know, we had a Super Bowl party at our church. Mm-hmm. So I'd say, hey, by the way, if you don't have anything going on tonight, you want to go to Super Bowl party? You're more welcome to stop in dinner. Well, we don't go to church there. I said, I don't care. They don't care. Right. You want to come eat? Come eat, sit down, and watch the game. You got a place to go. It's opening our doors to the people in need without questioning what they need and why they're there. Mm-hmm. Don't badger them; just help them. They, at, you know, the hardest thing we have to do is to. Can I have twenty bucks? I need twenty dollars, Bob. Mm-hmm. You ask me for twenty bucks, and I hand you twenty bucks, and then you come back next week. You want another twenty? You come back next week. You want another twenty? Right. And I finally quit doing that because I had money. I just was get. I didn't not have money, but I always had cash money, and I was always giving it away. So I quit taking cash money. I said. So if you come in and you're getting a, you know, yeah, hey, I'm getting a job and I kind of have pants and I got to have some mm-hmm. shoes. Okay. I get off work at seven. Be here. We'll go up to Walmart and get that taken care of. I need medicine for my dad, my kids or drugs or, you know, have to go pharmacy mm-hmm. field. Fine. I'll take you up there and get it. No. Right. Well, can you just give me the money? No. That's not how this works. Right. Mm-hmm. Because I want to make sure it's going there. But I also have to learn I don't judge how they spend that money. My philosophy, you take a homeless guy and give him 50 bucks. And I'm going to use your panhandlers downtown. You give them $50. What are they going to do with that $50? What would you do if you were on the streets? Well, first of all, I'm going to probably get, if they're a cigarette smoker, they're going to go buy a pack of cigarettes. They're going to go pay for a phone card. And then they're probably going to get something to eat, and they're going to be out that $50. You give me $50 a day, it ain't going to help me down the road $50 down the road. I'm not right. going to be able to make $50 here, here, and there pay my rent. Okay? And we've got to figure out how to get them past that point that they want to have a reason like me I would sort of commit suicide. I had to change my lifestyle. Right. But are there more of you? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Like when I hear you say all of these things, I'm sitting here thinking, so are you going to the only one who's taking them to Walmart? Are you the only one picking them up afterwards? Probably. Are you the There's only one going out on the street it. and not doing it? Not a whole lot doing it. Not a whole lot I'm doing it. They're afraid to. Joe's, I, th- you know, I thought at one time that you weren't allowed to do stuff like that. Like when, when we'd be down there serving, it's like, don't. We don't, don't want you to give, become a. The reason they come down, they come down because they know you're there and they're going to con you out of 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. If they need something, find out how they need and what they need. You know, I don't want, I don't want to say we don't want to help. We want to help them find a way to get where they're at. But if they're in need, they're in need. And I don't, my personally, myself, that's just the way I feel about it. You know, if that guy, I just took some people that, again, a girl, well, one of our girls come to our house, didn't have one her coat. And she needed but, a coat. But that's my point. So you're saying that people know that, like, if somebody shows up there and they're like, I don't have a winter coat, can, and Jennifer's down there and she's doing some of the talking, can Jennifer grab her and take her to go get a winter coat? That's totally up to Jennifer. I'm not going to stop her. Yeah, because it's been a while since I've right. been there because now we do the laundry ministry. Right. And so um, those kind of conflict a little bit. But, um, yeah, I, I remember one of the reverse giving that we did, mm-hmm. you know, it was like I had it with me mm-hmm. down there. Cause, but I thought, I can't give it to anybody within the building, you know. Oh, because for one money. thing, right. For one thing, that. But I did go buy some, like, sweatshirts for some right. people before. But I had to go get it and then, like, meet them afterwards, you know, because it's like, I didn't think peop- we could say anything so that people knew that this was happening because everybody's going to want, you, have, you know, that, exactly more that discreet What you have to watch thing. about is... You come in, I went and bought you a pair of shoes. And everybody in the building knows I bought you a pair of shoes. Mm-hmm. Well, I need a pair of shoes. And everybody in the building needs a pair of shoes. Okay. You know, and they may not need a pair of shoes, but because you're giving them a pair of shoes, you need to give them a pair of shoes, their pair of shoes, and their pair of shoes. You know, I got a guy down there last today that says, Bob, when are we going to have steaks down here? I said, Jack, bring me 100 steaks and we'll have steaks. <laughs> he goes, What do you mean 100? I said, I got to be able to feed everybody. Right. If I can fix you a steak, I got to fix everybody else here a steak. Right. Okay. And what she's talking about is it's not something I do open and say, hey, by the way, you need shoes, let me know. 
but I've talked to people personally and I'm on a one-on-one basis and right. help them out. Right. Um, and that's yeah. what I'm saying. So if somebody's sitting there, that that's what I was trying to figure right. out. So if I'm sitting there and I'm having a conversation, a guy starts saying like, Hey, you know, I'm getting ready to start a job and I'm going to be struggling because I need, and I say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to take you up to Walmart and we're going to get it. But that you're saying that could cause a problem though, because then everybody comes down there and wants well, to. Well, and that's what you have to watch is that they don't take advantage of you. Yeah. Okay. Because you know, if once I start handing out twenties, everybody and their brother coming. No, I 20s. get that. You like know, I get like, don't hand yeah. out cash. So you right. have to worry about that. We, I want to say we don't discriminate. Okay. Okay. But we also hold accountability to it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I told one kid he goes, "Well, I'll get you that twenty dollars." I said, "You know what? Here's my philosophy in that twenty dollars." God gave it to me. I gave it to you. When you get there to talk to God, he'll talk to you about that $20. (laughs) Right. You know? And if you're done right with it, you don't have nothing to worry about it. If you bought drugs with it, then you better talk about it. Right. But um, it's my heart and my desire to do what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And God has blessed me to be able to do what I'm doing because I have everything I need. I'm not filthy rich. Don't get me wrong. Well, you can check my bank accounts. You're not going to find more. <laughs> you can put all my bank accounts together. You might find $2,000, okay? And that's two. And I probably owe more than that on credit cards. But I believe whatever I give out, I get back in return from God. He takes care of me. He blesses me with everything I need. Right. And he makes sure I don't do without. Um, I'm not living the lift rice style. I'm not going out. I don't have a brand new car. I'm driving a 2001 truck in mint condition because I keep it in mint condition. Right. But... I take care of what I have, and I use what I have to my mm-hmm. best. And what we have to look at is how they trust you if they don't get to know you. Mm-hmm. you know, I can hand money out all day long. I can buy shoes all day long. Right. But if I don't build a relationship with that person, I'm just wasting my time. No, for sure. I got to show them why my life's where it's at and what it's doing. And everybody goes, how can you run around town whistling and happy and be in a good mood all the time? I said, what do I got to be sad about? Well, you're in a wheelchair. <laughs> yeah. Right. Best thing ever happened to me. Right. Why well, could open my eyes up to the world? Right. Do you see this problem growing in Huntington? Like, are we? Is it? I see this problem growing all over the world. Okay, because of right, the drugs, we the alcohol, live here, and the lifestyle. Yeah. So I'm just trying I, to figure it here. Yes, like, I, I would agree. I think yeah, I think we got our problems whole all culture, over. our whole culture has to change. Okay. And our culture has to change to start caring about each other again, like we did back 50 years ago. Okay. You knew your neighbors. They needed stuff. You took care of it. You went and got it for them. There's no questions asked. They took care of you. You took care of them. We were one great big neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Okay. I knew everybody. When I grew up on Sunnydale, back when I was a kid, I knew every person within four-block radius. Right. Where they lived at. All those kids knew each other. If Joey needed sugar, my mom got him sugar for their cookies. And if they needed eggs, they went and got it. We're afraid to walk across the street or knock next door to help somebody out because we're afraid if we give them. And I'll look at the ministries. We have people call us, well, I didn't know you could take that. Well, Didn't know you could take what? Food. Different oh, food. got Samar- it, got it, got it's it. It's a good Samaritan thing, okay? If mm-hmm. you give it to me, once it's in my hands, it's my responsibility. Mm-hmm. If it goes bad and I serve it, then I'm not going to go back and sue you. Right. But people are afraid that if I do something for somebody else and something goes wrong, they're going to sue me. Mm-hmm. They're going to go after me for it. Right. So they just rather dirty my hands with us to stay out of it. Right. But you would say, again, the the, the foundation... Because let's just let's look at it this way. Right. If we did it right, like you would say, 50 right. years ago. Right. So we did it right, and you knew your neighbor, or you knew the people around you, or you got out of your house and went beyond yourself. Yes. There would be no need for a food ministry. No. Because we would be serving... We'd our, be serving each other. We'd be serving each other. You know, if my, if Sam, if my mom, we'd have supper. There's three or four kids would come to our house for supper. Right. They were, we're out in the backyard playing. We're having supper time. We'd have, they'd have supper. There'd be no questions asked. Right. I brought home three or four friends from school. Mom wouldn't even question it. Right. Right. And that's what I've, that's what I've said all along. I feel like as, like you, wouldn't, you wouldn't need an orphanage no. if Christian families would take in children. Yes. Like you wouldn't need one. Yeah. Like I just a lot our of what, foster home is a two young couple, a young couple in their less than their 30s mm-hmm. are now running our kind of, he quit, she quit her job right. to run our foster home. Right. So it's a whole four to six kids. Right. But you know what I'm saying. Right. Like, if everybody did this, we wouldn't have if to create... every church in our town would get involved within the community and get involved with their neighborhoods and their people around their neighborhood and help make sure they had what they needed, we wouldn't be where we're at today. Right. right. How many church walls, how many church doors are unlocked during the day? Very few. 
Yeah, I don't know. They don't trust them anymore. They don't trust anybody to come in there. <laughs> they're afraid they're going to come in and rip them off. Right. So they lock the doors up. They don't have the door. When I was growing up, the church doors were unlocked all the time. Right. I could walk in the Lancaster church anytime I wanted to, and the door wasn't locked. Pastor was in there, somebody's not going there to talk to. Yeah, and I would say it goes both ways. Yeah. How many yep. times are our doors locked at home? Yeah. yeah. And I say locked, but yeah. no one's welcome. They're not. Like, they're, don't come over. Yeah. We're busy. We're never home. Yep. Yep. So I think it's a both end. The yep. concept of our what society you're... has took over so much that we're so busy within ourselves, we don't have time right. for others. Right. And that's what I was trying to get yeah. at. Like, yeah. we have created a, a structure of isolation. Yeah. Like, we're with people, but we're isolated because we have no time to let anybody in. Right. No time to have people over. No time to, again, get to know your neighbor. Well, I, that's, and that's where it's at. I try to, when I'm going through Walmart, I didn't get a kick out of I'm, People don't get it. My kids, grandkids get a kick out because they don't, they say, does everybody in Huntington County know you? Because I say hi to anybody and everybody. Right. And sometimes that hi to that person who's walked through there having a bad day doesn't know he even exists. Yeah. He don't think you even know he exists. And you say hi to him, he's like, oh, they did see mm -hmm. me. Right. There's so many people in this world walking through those halls and those Walmart stores and that that nobody even notices that they're there. Mm -hmm. Walking through society in this own little their own little world that nobody knows they're there because they don't pay attention to them. Right. You know, um, I think that I feel that well, I said to why the other day, coaching basketball, and one of the parents, one of the coaches come, well, there's the number one coach of the YMCA. <laughs> I said, I'm not the number one coach. Well, all the kids want to play for Bob. I'll be a Bob's <laughs> team. I said, you know, I'm going to tell you what the foundation of that is. I've been here five years at the Y as a volunteer. I run their preseason basketball program and their after pro program for kids learning one-on-one -on -one skills. Mm -hmm. And I coach two teams for every game to play, every team, every time we have gathers. You're going to be here three years as a coach. Mm -hmm. When your son's five, in fourth grade, you'll no longer be here. Right. So they don't know you as a solid foundation person. Right. The food ministry, I've been there for 10 years. Everybody knows Bob at the food ministry. Right. That foundation's there. They know if they need something, they come talk to me. Right. You know, I may not be able to lead them right. I try to help lead them the right way, and, you know, sure. I can't solve all problems. Yeah, right. You know, I got people walk in the door, think I can pay their rent, pay their house payment, get them on the utility, and get them back on the streets, right. get them off the streets. Um, but we got to find out why they're on the streets. Mm -hmm. Not because somebody threw you out of the streets, because you didn't pay your bills. Right. And a lot of them are out there on the streets because they don't want to listen to mom and dad's rules. Right. They packed up and moved out because they know better. Right. You know? And now they're trying to figure out how to survive. Yeah. So they, Jennifer, burnt that, they burnt that bridge with drugs and alcohol, and they can't get back in mom and dad's house anymore. Right. Right. So we're at the end, Jennifer. I sorry. Do you have questions? I don't have I mean, questions. I was like, no, no. Yeah. It's like let's just jump in. No, that's what we need to do. So, yeah, no. yeah. I'm so again, we'll put. I'm assuming we have links for people who want to get volunteered. We'll the, to volunteer yeah. in the food ministry or be a part. Best of Best things to get my phone numbers everywhere around town. My emails available. I've got billboards with name and address on them. Your best thing if you want to do food ministry, send me your email. Okay. Send me your dates. Their you know, that you want day shift or evening shift, you're going to work lunch hours. Um, like I said, I'm overwhelmed with volunteers right now. I okay. almost have to fire people to get people to okay, come Okay, so if you me. don't need volunteers, what do you need? <laughs> Financially, we're looking for paper products for the new carryout stuff. Okay. For our, everything right now, that's going to be our most expensive thing right now. So styrofoam containers, three-part containers, your plastic wrap silver with all the spoons and forks in them, soup, cup, soup bowls with lids on them, styrofoam cups, you know, for the drinks and stuff. That's where our cost is going up now because of paper products for the carryout meals. Yeah. So. And any kind of food, monetary. And they can get a hold of you and, and yep. you can get them down yep. that road. Yep. Yep. So with all of the stuff going on, how can we be praying for you as a roundtable people, you know, not just Jennifer and I, but for people that are out there, how can we be praying for you pray personally? For them, the, I think you need to pray for Huntington County, period. That we start looking and caring about our community and our people hmm. and quit worrying about our us getting ahead of the game of the world. The world game will never stop. You're going to chase that dream forever. <laughs> For sure. You'll never catch it. Right. The dream, the best thing that I ever had happen was to get Christ in my life. Hmm. And I let him have total control of my life. And spiritually, I am overwhelmed. Right. And I'm happy where I'm at. You know, um, and just, you, I'm blessed to yeah. be here. I'm blessed to be there. 
I, you know, uh, if you work in ministry, you get involved in nonprofit organizations, get involved with ministry work, get involved with people who you're afraid to get involved with lives mm. and get to know them, you'll realize that you're going to be a plus to them, not a negative. Right. right. Don't look at every time I go into something, what's it going to cost me? Right. Right. It may cost you some time. Well, that's the whole idea, mm-hmm. right? So yep. if you're going to be a Christian, it's supposed to cost you yes. everything. Yeah, you should have. I mean, you that's know, the... The idea is it's weird to think the fishermen didn't give up, quit fishing just to go with God because they had more money fishing. They, right. they made more money fishing than they did going with God. Right. But they got they got served very well. Right. Yeah. The idea that as a Christian that we anything that costs us something we're out on that doesn't make any sense. No. You know because the Christian life costs us everything. Yes. You know to be able to do it. You so. if you leave this world nothing. You've done everything right. Yep, I agree. <laughs> yeah. So, Bob, we'll be praying for you, obviously, personally, as you try to spread yourself all over the community <laughs> and be involved in every single person's well, life I, that's just, out there. We're I praying. Just, you know, our, I love my town. I love well, the people. Well, listen, in we'll this be community. praying that you can reproduce more Bobs, that's, right? Because yeah. that's the idea. Like, if we could reproduce more Bobs out there, that would be an answer to the thing we're just saying. To the thing we're saying of like, we should open our eyes up to the needs of our community. Yeah, we need more people that see and you know, if think. You go, if you're going through the Walmart line and you're leaving Walmart and somebody's having a hard time figuring out how to pay their bill because their credit card's not there, yeah, drop your credit card down. Right. I've had I've been watched people get amazed. I walked through and the ladies, you know, oh, well, you don't have enough there. I said, here, and I hand the credit card to the lady. And she goes, oh, you want to pay for? It? I said, just run the whole thing. Right. You know how much it is? I said, did I ask? <laughs> because it's not mine to ask. Right. God put me in that spot for time for a reason. Right. Now everybody, brother Walmart be up there going, I can't pay this. Just, hey, Bob, hey, I can't pay hey, this. Bob, no. My car quit working. No. You know, or we uh, see Bob's Coldwell Banker vehicle <laughs> going to Walmart. Yeah. We're like, I gotta go in. If you go and you'll see it, because I park it where you can see it. But if you're going through Starbucks, pay for the guy's meal behind you, drink behind you. Going through McDonald's, pick up their meal. Yeah. You don't even question it. Right. Because you make their day. Right. First of all, and they're thinking, okay. I don't do it for my name. I do it because God says, you know, this person behind you might need this or whatever. Mm-hmm. You feel that urge. I, you know, I use all my Starbucks points, which I have quite a few of them because my granddaughters go to Starbucks all the time. I take them all the time. <laughs> so I don't use my stars for myself. I use all those credits for my behind my people right. behind me. They yeah, put theirs on mine. Right. You know, um, start caring about your fellow man. Right. As much as you care about yourself. There you if go. If you don't care about yourself, mm-hmm. you better get hooked up with God really quick. Right. Good final words. <laughs> so again, uh, when this comes out, when you're watching and or listening, so make, if you see Bob in town, make sure you go up and say hi, and and or if you see him down at the food ministry. Before I say hi to you. Yeah, there you go. See if you can win the battle of, of, of who says hi. If you want to volunteer or get involved, we'll, we'll have a connection if you don't already know how to get involved in the meal ministry and or how to come alongside. But we're just, again... Thankful that we can be a part of and that this community of people from the round table, you know, can listen and hear of the things that you're doing and that we can come alongside. And again, I, I pray, too, that our eyes will be open, especially in our Christian churches, in our Christian world, that yes. we don't stop seeing what the needs are. We need to get out there and meet them. Our Christian walk is just not to go to church every Sunday. Absolutely. It's to go to church every Sunday, every day. Absolutely. And be a Christian every day. Yeah. Um, and I thank you for allowing me to come in and talk. Um we didn't really get down the ministry road too much, but um, we did. We touched on quite a bit, a few things, but just let me know if you need anything else. Yeah. Yeah. So Appreciate if you, when, when this comes out, make sure you like, comment, or share. That way we can get the story on everybody's uh, timeline. They can see what's going on. And again, if you want to learn more about the ministries, not just the meal ministry, what's going on, get with Bob and he'll be able to, to help you know in other ways that you can uh, get involved and help with that. So thanks everybody for joining us and we'll see you guys next week. Bye.